0: Hi Spring fans, welcome to a beautiful podcast. I'm your host, Spring Developer Advocate Josh Long, and this show is all about the real heroes behind Spring and its ecosystem. Hey, Spring fans. Welcome to the of a beautiful podcast. How are you, this fine Thursday? Uh, I, as I record this, I'm uh, in Las Vegas. It's the twentieth of October, 2022. And I've been here uh for the incredible Java One show, which is uh which is back. I have so missed it. Remember, it's not just the pandemic, right? There was actually no Java 1s for like two years, right? Before uh, the pandemic, uh, you know, uh, made landfall in uh, late, late, late 2019, early 2020. And um, so, yeah, it's, I I think the last edition was 2017, right? So this is at least five years uh, since we've had a a proper Java 1. We had those, uh, those aberrations, those two uh, code 1s or whatever they were called for a couple of years there. Uh, and, And I guess that was designed to appeal to a more broader, uh general sort of you know ecosystem audience whatever um but it, i didn't i didn't love those i want java one java one is huge you know it's, a, it's a, a key part it's a beating heart of the uh java ecosystem it's where i made some of my best friends too by the way like i just you know there's something amazing about being at java one with all the people there with the community with the uh uh with, uh with all the cool stuff they're announcing one thing they've just announced that was really really interesting to me that seems really really um Promising is that uh, GraalVM now will line up with OpenJDK. So OpenJDK is a is where Java gets made, right? It's the vehicle by which code uh, is turned into releases and and so on. And um, GraalVM has been a separate project with its own lifecycle, its own support, its own everything. Um, And usually it trails, which is a little bit weird. So you get like Java, you know, whatever nineteen, then you wait several months, maybe six for gravium to support java 19 or whatever Um, and uh, now that'll go away apparently the idea is that this is this will get unified and uh, you'll get um you know you'll get new releases of gravium at the same time as you get new releases of java which is great also you'll get a uh you know all those extra utilities that you expect from um gravium shipped with OpenJDK, which is great. That means that the native image mechanism will be there. And I think I even saw, I could be, it could be just that I, I I missed something here, but I think I even saw that uh, the project-laden documentation now references GraalVM explicitly, whereas before they've been sort of dancing around that as though they might somehow develop something just like Gravium without actually using GraalVM, which always seemed a little silly to me, because uh, we all know it, it would make no sense for um, a principally Oracle-led project, which is open source, to not use the principally led, a principally Oracle-led GraalVM project, which is open source, uh, to further project laden. You know, so um, yeah, that is really exciting news. I can't wait for that to to um, to converge and uh, to land. That'll make uh, understanding the perspective of uh, optimized images on the JVM uh, just that much simpler. There has been a lot of really interesting stuff. Uh, being done, they actually articulated. They, you know, a few weeks ago or months ago, whatever, they are they fleshed out their sort of in their their planned um, uh, you know approach to introducing project laden to the JVM ecosystem. So they imply that there might be like gradual layers or graduated levels of support. Right, you could have um, slightly more constrictions on the code uh, and get some benefits and then slightly more still and get even more benefits. And, and then eventually you get to like the GraalVM situation where you have a lot of restrictions, a lot of like constraints, uh, but you get this incredibly optimized, uh, result. And spring obviously is in a very good position here because we're already ready for VM. We already are able to meet the metadata requirements and, uh, uh, you know, constrain the code base in such a way as to, to, uh, to work well in that environment um and if that's the top of the stack if that's the most stringent uh you know requirements uh that we're going to face when moving to something like project laden then we're already well situated right so i'm excited i can't wait for people to try out uh you know grow support and spring boot 3. you can start you can try it out now of course i just want to remind you start uh and then just choose spring boot 3.0 uh snapshots or um um uh, 3.0 M5. Now, the snapshots, by the way, I don't know when you're recording, when you're listening to this, but as of today, I think the snapshots, uh, you know, you, you, you're going to be better off on Gravium 22.3, right? So that's very, very brand new. So if you want to try it out right now, if you listen to this podcast and for whatever reason haven't tried out the Gravium native image support, um, just bear that in mind. You might have to go download Gravium uh, 22.3. Uh, or if you use three m five, then you know the latest and greatest GA released GraalVM, uh, which is in which is in package managers like man and all that. That'll work just fine as well. Um, what else? Goodness, there's been so much happening in the ecosystem right now. I mean, just uh, because again, there's this activity, the swell of activity around uh, getting all the Spring portfolio projects ready for Spring Framework six and Spring Boot three. About which, by the by, you can learn more uh, at our conference. The other one conference right called spring one and indeed uh you know in some ways uh, uh still the biggest right i mean obviously java one is big but uh this year not so not so big that uh i uh, you know it, it doesn't quite feel like java one of yore. like i said um so hopefully you'll come to if you missed your opportunity to learn uh here at java one uh, and, and it was a good show if you missed your opportunity then i hope you'll uh, at least make it to uh spring one later this year uh six to 8 december in sunny San Francisco. Now, I say sunny because it doesn't snow, but uh, yeah, you're going to want to bring a hoodie. It's going to be it's gonna be hoodie weather. It's always hoodie weather, uh, and that'll be good. My friends, we have a great guest today, so I want to just get right into that. We're going to uh, talk to my friend, Asir Singh. He's a, a product manager, I think, uh, over at uh, the, you know, Microsoft, the big old Microsoft ranch, and um, he's also a friend. He's really, actually, he was here at Java 1 we went to um, he and my partner uh, Tammy and I went to uh, Hell's Kitchen. That's a Gordon Ramsay joint here in Vegas. Um, that was pretty good, actually. We had a, a final time. That was a you know really good uh, lunch. But this this episode was was recorded about a month ago, long before we got to meet here in Vegas for the uh, for the show proper. Um, so yeah, I he works on the. You know on the direction of java at microsoft and java obviously is paramount to so much of what microsoft is doing these days uh and you can uh, you know Asir has had a very uh large hand in in guiding its direction there at that company and it's he's one of the reasons why over the last decade and a half uh, you know we've seen this about face for microsoft where it's uh it's not just embraced java but uh you know become part of its uh uh, community become part of its leadership, you know? Uh, so I, I, it's just a very welcome change for anybody who remembers the Microsoft of your ye old Microsoft from the nineties. This is, you know, hard to believe it's the same company. It's night and day. A huge part of that of course is Satya uh, Nadella, the CEO, but I think, uh, it takes, it takes an army to move something as big as Microsoft. And, uh, certainly us here is a big, uh, leader in that, in that, um, regime. Um, so, I just wanted to have a, a conversation with him about, uh, you know, Java and Microsoft and in particular Azure, Microsoft Azure uh, support for for Java and Spring and all that. And in particular, in particular, the Azure Spring apps uh, stuff that he and I both work on. He he, he and I both uh, like Azure Spring apps. This is a platform as a service that we, uh, are, you know, our respective teams, the Microsoft and uh, Spring teams, respectively, co-developed to uh, make... On ramping applications all that much easier. If you want to get an application out into production in like five minutes, this is your platform. This is you give it a jar, it'll give you a URL. That's the deal, right? Very very simple. um And it, and not to say that it's not powerful. You know, simple can be powerful. It's it's simple and powerful, right? That's the point. It's an opinionated approach to building and operating software, so it's really useful. Uh, so let's dive right into it. Enjoy as always, and I'll see you next week. And actually, next week I'll be in Southeast Asia, so you know, expect I, I might actually release this one um, on my Friday for the first time in a, while, in a while. Right? It'll be Friday when I release it, like it is right now for most people in the world, even though it's thirty as a Thursday as I as I recorded. Uh, okay. Yeah, uh, my my dearest sincerest hope is that when i come in what did we say november for the mm-hmm. seattle Java user group uh that uh you and i get to have proper delicious homemade indian food uh, that's, and that's, yeah. that's a lot of work i know for you all but
1: uh well i think uh we should just plan and i'll take the day off we can go somewhere have some amazing good food and celebrate it right
0: yeah i'm so excited oh <laughs> i Oh, that sounds like a dream. Mm -hmm. It's November too. So it's going to be like dark and cold. I hate the dark winter months, man. I I don't like them at all. So anything I can do to make myself feel warmer and spicier uh, man, that's it. It sounds good on any day, but especially in the cold November days, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, you're off, you're not exactly in Seattle. You're kind of right outside of Seattle, uh, which is nice Mm -hmm. because that Puget sound in Seattle is so cold in the winter. You know, right. we are we're only
1: about 15 minutes east of Seattle.
0: Yeah, but you're not right next to the that particular yeah. body of water. So the wind it doesn't cut you, you know? It's slightly right. warm. I think
1: we are we are slightly in the high rise uh, mountains, right? Yeah. So it makes it uh pleasant to live. And it's quieter, it's residential, so it's quieter.
0: <laughs> Weren't you telling me you had like bears or something like that? Like
1: oh yeah. It's always there. They, they just stop by, uh, you know. They they come after our trash cans,
0: <laughs> and,
1: and they knock knock them out and start eating them. Um, so cute. Yeah, and the other one we noticed is one day our fence was broken. Oh no! And we like we didn't know how it broke. And our house opposite, our, uh, the house opposite to us, they have cameras that are recording at night. Right, and they were able to show us the film strips where you can <laughs> see a bear knocking and damaging all those stuff.
0: <laughs> oh man, that's so cute! I love bears. I, I, I'm, I'm glad nobody got hurt or anything, you know. But, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, bears are. They make my. They make my. Because they're well, just
1: they're they've been here for some time, so they 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 treat us as friends.
0: Right. Yeah. This is you moved into <laughs> their home, not the other way around. Right. Like. That's where they were there first
1: yes exactly
0: so they've been very welcoming to you i should say you know they um i'm actually rather surprised you don't see more critters in the city all cities you know you uh, there's something about what we have done to our homes that makes it unattractive to people that are used to living in nature and that's kind of sad or not people pe- uh, creatures that live in nature you know and it's very sad because like yeah, I thought we liked nature. We're we're from nature. you think it'd be more of an aspect of our design that we'd be mm-hmm. we live in a place that would be attractive to other things that like nature, you know. But oh well, cost of civilization. Um, yep. Okay. So anyway, I'm gonna. I hope to see you in November. For those of the people who are just joining us, can you tell us who you are and, and what you do and so you know whatever. So I don't butcher it. Okay.
1: I'm also at Microsoft. I'm on point for Java on Azure, I'm on point for everything developers need to build, migrate, and scale Java apps on Azure. Yeah. I'm also a Java Deck. So I started yeah. in 1995 with JDK1. Right. It's about 27 years. It's a lot mm-hmm. of fun with Java. Uh, been at Microsoft for 18 years. So quite a lot of fun uh, to make uh, amazing things for Java developers
0: on Azure. Yeah. And and uh, we'll get to all that. I love that. Your last name is Selvasing, Is that right? right. Correct. Correct. Okay. So S-E-L-V-A-S-I-N-G-H, I think. Correct. Uh, Correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And A-S-I-R, not azure A-S-I-R. 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 A-Z-U-R. Yeah. That's your podcast. If you start a podcast tomorrow, we should call it Azure. <laughs> That's so, a good one. <laughs> that would be good. Alliteration works. That's a good marketing tip. Not that I need to tell you, but uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. You're you at Microsoft. Obviously, uh, we're friends. Uh, poor you, but good for me. And the relationship has been great because, as we talked to, and you were on the show more than a year ago. So I'll just rehash for people that kind of, uh, you know, the TLDR is basically you and I are are uh, lucky enough to be uh, on two different companies that work together, collaborate on something called Azure Spring Apps. Uh, it was called Desert Spring Cloud in the last podcast, I think. I think it's changed since then, right?
1: Mm-hmm. It's changed, basically, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then, and then on top of that, there's this thing called Azure Spring Apps Enterprise, mm-hmm. which is uh, another level of collaboration and innovation. Um, so uh, yeah, I guess I just wanted to like talk about that, because right now, it seems like we're in a very interesting time. First of all, new name, new branding, but also lots of like cool stuff happening there. Uh, and this is not so people don't get confused. This is not to do, although it works well with, the Spring Cloud libraries Mm -hmm. supporting Azure infrastructure from a Spring developer's perspective. So that's separate, that's another discussion we can have, but can we talk about what Azure Spring Apps is?
1: Yeah, Azure Spring Apps is a fully managed service for Spring Boot apps. What does that mean? You know, um, developers, customers, they have Plenty of Spring Boot apps. Right. They, they build all kinds of business workloads. Now, when they deploy, they don't have to worry about all kinds of things that they have to worry today. You know, right. uh, they 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 when they deploy to, let's say, they deploy to virtual machines or Kubernetes, they have to worry about infrastructure. They have to worry about monitoring. They have to worry about wiring everything up. There are so many features that you need. You have to do all of those things. Now. Azure Spring Apps is a fully managed service for Spring, apps, Spring Boot apps. Uh, it is, you don't have to worry here about infra, don't have to worry about uh, monitoring. You simply deploy your jars or your code. Everything else is taken care of for you. Um, Azure Spring Apps will wire things up. And once you deploy, you can easily uh, look at app performance or challenges with the app fix those errors, rapidly start iterating and deploying back and improve it. And it is well integrated into the Azure ecosystem. And if your companies have like uh, many many requirements, enterprise level requirements, they're already ready for you. So simply you just deploy your charts or your code and, and you're done for spring
0: up. And then you can just start scaling, scaling across the globe. So explain like I'm five, what does this mean from a Java developer's perspective, like a Spring Boot developer in particular? Let's say that she has finished compiling the code, you've got a .jar, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and I wanna go to production and get home in time for tea. Mm -hmm. What is my next step given the .jar? What is my, what do I log? Is there a website I visit? Is there a command line thing I download? What am I doing next to get to production on Zoom? Few things, not too many,
1: right? So suddenly you need Azure CLI on your dev machine, right? right. So have uh, download and install it. And then you create the service, Azure Spring Apps. You create it one time, right?
0: So, I, so does this mean I log into Microsoft Azure and I, mm-hmm. I find a button saying create Azure Spring Apps instance or something like that?
1: You can create using the portal or you can create using the CLI, right? That way you get an instance of the service on Azure. Now, that's a one-time job. And then once you have it, you create your, your service. Let's say your service is customer service, for example. You just create that service. And then from the command line, this is the operation that you often do, right? You just say, Azure Spring App Deploy and pass your job or point to your code base. Right. And then the deployment starts, it will automatically package that and build it and convert it into a, a OCI image uh, and a container image that's compliant, and then start deploying to the Kubernetes that is underneath Azure Spring App. Azure Spring Apps is built on Kubernetes, so you get the full power, but you don't have to worry about it. So the one single operation that you would keep on doing is Azure Spring App Deploy, Azure Spring App deploy. And, right. and you can go and iterate, iterate iterate, and you can get back to your get back to your
0: team in the evening. And so there I so the only variable is the code, right? Mm-hmm. Everything else I specify up front. I create the app definition basically. Specify the RAM, the mm-hmm. instance count, yep. all that. But I don't have to re-specify that once I've specified it. I can just say, here's the code attached to that app, redeploy it, you know. Okay. Okay.
1: If you need extra RAM, for example, you are running and you realize you need extra RAM, so you can just go and modify that. But otherwise, you simply say Azure Spring app, deploy, deploy, deploy repeatedly to keep your uh, coding uh, going.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So, okay, so, and I can do that from the website as well. Can I like upload something or is that just the command line? Um,
1: it's uh, you, you can do it from command line. You can do it from automation. Let's say you're yeah. doing it from um, GitHub. GitHub Actions are there. Azure DevOps pipelines are there. Um, you can build your own pipelines in Jenkins or GitLab. It's your choice. You can automate using any platform and tools of your choice there. I like that uh, Yep. Therefore, Terraform, yeah, Terraform is there. You can also go to like Maven and say deploy. You can deploy it. You uh-huh, can also yeah. go to VS Code and from VS Code you can deploy. You can go to IntelliJ and say, hey, here's my code deployed and it'll right. happen. right? So there are many ways. One of the things we want to make sure is whatever tools you use, you don't have to change. You continue and simply click deploy and it'll just be deployed.
0: And this, so this is a, another example of one of the things that Microsoft gets and has always gotten right, 100% of the time, which is meet developers where they are. Right, uh, the, the the that first bit setting up the app, you specify that once, right. Mm-hmm. But the ongoing maintenance and, and the long tail of software development is changes to the code, and so that's the part that should be streamlined, right? Uh, and and it is in this in this workflow, right? The developers are in control of change here right yeah, now that was on full control here yeah. right i like that i love that about uh, just microsoft in general i mean like even even the work that i do i work in you know developer advocacy or sometimes called evangelism or or whatever even that owes a huge debt of gratitude to, to microsoft right i mean the the, the very core idea of you got to meet developers where they are by talking to them in languages and, and, and in terms that they understand, you know, that's oh, such a good idea. So I love that. I love that Azure Spring app puts the developer uh, in the driver's seat here, You know, it feels like. You still have, what about what about the other side though? What about, I want to operationalize. I need insight into what maps are doing. I need to be able to set up quotas and spend and metering and all that stuff. Does Azure Spring apps meet me there as well for operations use cases? Uh,
1: sure, I think uh, when you are heading to production, there are several things that you have to consider. And once you are in production, the operators need several things as well. Um, All of those things are there. So perhaps we can talk about a few then, right? Yeah. So if you approach from security, security as an angle, right? Right. Um, There are many things you can do. You can start with um, isolating from a network point of view. You can place them behind your corporate firewall. (laughs) Wow. Now, developers don't have to worry, right? This is the operator who just says, when I'm creating my Azure Spring apps, I'm placing it in my corporate firewall. And once you place in your corporate firewall, then the operator gets to manage the ingress into the application and egress out of the application,
0: right? So is the instance of the app running on a computer in my data center? Like what
1: what does that mean? It is. When when we say placing it in the uh, in, in the corporate network, uh, in the virtual network, it is actually running it Azure's virtual network, but it it is placed in your corporate network with a corporate ID. So it's isolated inside your domain of control.
0: Okay. Okay. So I can I control firewall rules and and active yeah. directory and all this stuff. Right.
1: And okay. developers don't have to worry about this particular piece, right? It's all the operate. Now, once you place it right, um, if you like, uh, if you want to manage the permissions into it, right, developers can do this, DevOps team can do this, SREs can do this, automation machines can do this. You can set them all up using Azure role-based access control,
0: right? Which is, you know, industry class. Uh, uh, industry it.
1: class. It's all at the active directory level, which is very much liked by a. Uh, by our customers and developers, right? And then let's say you want to set up end user authentication authorization, right? That is simply configurable, particularly in Azure Spring Apps Enterprise. You just configure it and two, three clicks, users have to log in, and then you can figure out how to authorize and the authorization can happen using your code, um, uh, working with uh, Active Directory as well, right? Then you have secrets right? Your apps uh, apps will log into backend machines, like right? authentication authorization. Um, this week, uh, we announced the the passwordless connections, right? cool. Yeah, that one is very interesting because every machine has a machine identity. Right. So now you can take that identity and grant its access to the database or event hubs, one of those backends. Uh, services mm-hmm. and and set the permission whether it's a read write all of that right so when the app comes up it authenticates itself and at runtime a token is used which is not stored anywhere right and and that token is used as password to log in and that gives you the the highest class of security because at this point you are minimizing all your data exfiltration risk right uh, if you just leave passwords and things like that you know any, anybody can pick it up so yeah. we are moving away from that as passwordless so these are all the security aspects of getting to uh production and and definitely the operators can enjoy many of these benefits to make it easy to run at scale so then let's say you're you you deployed a workload and you are with lots of applications and they are all talking to each other and you're very successful and you want to accelerate that, right to even higher uh, higher level of usage we have Redis cache, you just turn it on. Um, you can use that for app caching. You can use that for externalizing sessions. Right. Uh, you can also use that for high speed searches that are closer to the app, right? right. For example, if you are building a, a catalog, as the customer is typing the searching, you can keep that catalog loaded closer to the app in the Redis cache. Right. And that way it'll be extremely, extremely uh, faster. Right.
0: right, much faster,
1: yeah. Much, much faster. So that's the other piece you can take care of. Then the third one is like monitoring. You know, our developers tell us monitoring is their top thing when they come to come to the cloud. So you can monitor end-to-end using any platform and tools of your choice. We also have like uh, application insights. We have log analytics. Um, you can just... Uh, if, you, if you're deploying to Azure Spring Apps, you don't have to do anything. Everything right. is wired up for you. And you just open up application insights, you can see the calls going tracing. You can see the perf, you can see the failures. Uh, you can see plenty, plenty of information there. Now, if you don't need that, you can always turn it off. Right. <laughs> if you don't need it. And then you can open Log Analytics and you can compose your custom queries they um, like Say I, I want all my logs, all my logs from Spring Cloud Service Registry. I want all my logs from the Spring Cloud Gateway, all yeah. my logs from all my logs from uh, my application itself. Or maybe you're searching for a specific troubleshooting scenario. You can write the query, and it'll be available. Right now, it's not just Log Analytics or, or Application Insight. If you're already familiar with say Dynatrace, New Relic, uh, App Dynamics, Elastic, or Splunk. Right. Whatever tool you use, um, we have done all the integrations in collaboration with these um, high-class partners, right? Nice. And, And all you have to do is supply your license keys and it gets activated automatically. You just open up and start monitoring. At uh, that point, right? right? So we have lots of videos on YouTube where you can see like two minute, three minute, many of these, uh, many of our partners, they demonstrate how you can see the value, just like activating. You don't have to do much than acti- activating it. Right. So that's the the monitoring part of it. Now again, if you are a developer like me, you know you you want your logs straight on your machine, right? So for that, we have a very simple command: az spring app logs provide the name of the app, it'll start streaming right on your machine.
0: Right on. I,
1: I wow. think that's that's the instant instant gratification, right? Oh, key. Yeah, very key for troubleshooting, uh, things like that.
0: What if I have like three instances of my server, my service? You,
1: if you have three instances of the app, all you have to say is which instance you want. Okay, cool. And then you can now if you wanna see all three instances, just open three different uh, console windows, right, terminals. And just open it up, you're going to see all three start right. streaming, streaming at you, right? So it's almost like screaming at you or streaming at you, yeah. whatever you want. To start. Stream, stream. You stream, Stream, stream at you, right? So it'll it'll be right on your machine, right? Then the other important thing that uh, our developers love is the automation part. Yeah. So when it comes to automation, um, you can. We, we see them do three classes of pipelines. One is provisioning, other one is building, and the third one is um, deployments, right? So for the provisioning, um, Terraform, uh, you mentioned Terraform earlier. Terraform, you can use Terraform. You can use Bicep, ARM templates, or CLI, and you can automate using your platform of your choice, whether you want automation platform of your choice. You can use GitHub, GitLab, Azure DevOps, Jenkins, anything. Anything you name it, you can just automate that. And for build, nothing changes for the build pipeline. It's the same whatever you've been doing for so long. You might be using Gradle, you might be using Maven um, in GitHub Actions or any of those Azure DevOps or GitLab. You can continue, that's the build pipeline. And the last one is the deploy. So every time you check in, you can set up all kinds of gates and take it to your dev, dev environment or to your staging environment or straight to your production environment, right? Nice. So all of these, you know, they they pave the way for you to go fast to production.
0: Yeah, I mean, so it sounds like it's like production in a box, right? I go to Azure Spring Cloud, I click on the big button, new Azure Spring apps instance, uh, sorry, I go to Microsoft Azure, click on the big button, new Azure Spring apps instance, and again, the only variable is my code. Everything else is just this fully formed, production-worthy piece yeah. of, of infrastructure, you know, and I just worry about getting the business logic in there. Um, and a lot of those things obviously make the developers' lives easier, right? Exactly. But a lot of those things you just mentioned are also things that people have an unfortunate habit of regarding as sort of like non-functional requirements or, or whatever. They, they dismiss them as like secondary to the success of the app, which is just not not at all the case, right? You need these things as much as you need any business Correct. logic. Uh, but it is so tempting just to say, I'll, I'll worry about it later. Now you can just not worry about it and still have it be done. You know, um, It's the best of both worlds because you've always had the option to not worry about it. Uh, right. Your app will fail in production. you know. Now you don't have a problem. Hey, That
1: reminds me of uh, someone I know. His name is Nick. He's uh, working for National Life Insurance. He actually wrote it on LinkedIn. Okay, he said, "Deploy your jars and you're done with Azure yeah. Spring Apps. That's it.
0: That's it. That's the only variable.
1: That's it." I mean, I, I'm like, "Wow, that statement is so powerful, right?" The way he said it.
0: Yeah, it, because it's if you, yeah, he's. I don't, I don't know Nick, but uh, you know, having worked with Azure Spring Apps and and being a person that knows what the full sweep of concerns that apply to. Mm-hmm. A production deployment. And being a person that knows what that looks like, I, it is profound to hear somebody who knows what they're saying say something like that. And I could say it too. I could say when I deploy my apps, you know, to uh, Azure Spring Apps, all my jars, all I got to worry about is that just get those there, and then everything else sorts itself out. It's amazing. Um, wow. So okay, Azure Spring Apps. You mentioned the gateway, uh, Spring Gateway uh those spring apps gateway you mentioned the service registry the config server some of these things are going to sound familiar so redis of course is a Mm well-known uh in-memory data structure server we've got uh you know your sql server your your active directory we mentioned a few things already but spring cloud config server service registry gateway what is all that so
1: even when, when you deploy, right? When you deploy your Spring Spring apps yeah. in the cloud native patterns, um, so you can externalize your configuration. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to package it into your jar file. Um, so when you externalize your configuration, you can use Spring Cloud config server pattern.
0: Right.
1: Um, so that is actually built into Azure Spring apps, and you don't have to worry. All you have to do is externalize to a Git repo. Right. And just hook it up and it'll just show up and it'll be bootstrapped when you when you're loading your application. Right. So but this that's... is
0: a, this is a thing I could have done by myself. I could have gone like start that string real, created a jar, added a few annotations, and Bob's your uncle. I've got a thing. But did it did I secure it? Probably not. Did I scale it? Probably not. Uh, do I have to deploy it? Yeah, still I have to do that, right? Like, so you're saying that's all just part of Azure Spring Apps, right? Like-
1: you don't have to deploy a config server. Right. All you have to do is follow the externalizing configuration pattern. And Azure Spring Apps will run the config server at scale. And all communications between the app and the Azure Spring App is completely secure. It's, it's all TLS, SSL. So you just deploy your jars or your code. Use the pattern and everything else. Running it at scale, keeping it uh, uh, with high availability, securing those communication, everything is taken care for by by the service itself.
0: Amazing. Okay, so that's a that's a th- same thing for the service registry. Is that Eureka? It's like-
1: the same. It's the same thing for service registry. The Eureka. Uh, where it is completely managed and uh, and and run by Azure Spring Apps, and all same thing, secured so that you can you, all your communication between apps and the and the servers uh, service registry they're all secured. All you have to do is just follow the principles of service registration and discovery, which is nothing but you just add an annotation.
0: Right? Yeah,
1: that's all you have to do. Right? Now, when it comes to gateway. In Azure Spring Apps Enterprise, we have a fully managed Spring Cloud Gateway from Tanso, VMware Tanso. Okay, cool. Now that is up and running and it it is, we we run it at scale. All you have to do is provide the routing rules and the configuration.
0: And so you can do things like uh, compression, security, authentication, proxying, all that kind of stuff. There's plenty of
1: features, right? There are plenty of features in the Spring Cloud Gateway. Um, mainly the cross-cutting features, right? Right. Authentication authorization is an example. Rate limiting is another example. Um, inspecting the headers is another example. So all of those things you can you can uh, execute right at the Spring Cloud Gateway and then route those calls to the apps running behind the gateway. Okay. So, and those apps could be Spring apps, and if you have PolyCloud apps, like Angular apps, um, they can all be running right behind, right behind the Spring Cloud gateway. Amazing!
0: That's awesome. So, I have, I, I, this is all stuff that I know about, right? In terms of like the moving parts required to run an application, in terms of moving, in terms of the moving parts required to run an, run an application, uh, I know about these things, right? I know about security and routing and, and configuration and, uh, you know, uh, my database, my message queue, my logging, my mm-hmm. metrics, my analytics, my, I mean, all this stuff just for hello world, right? Like just for I have an HTTP endpoint, I send a string in, I get a, I get hello string name back, you know, mm-hmm. all that, all those other moving parts, you know, realistically before my little hello world HTTP endpoint can get deployed, I need all that other stuff. And it all just comes for free, right? It sounds like it all just comes, well, except for the gateway, there's a slight. Like,
1: yeah, yeah uh, most of the things, they're all free for, right? It's all already pre-wired. Right. Even if you deploy your Hello World or deploy your real application, uh, you don't have to worry about that so that you can focus on the code that run your business.
0: Yeah, amazing. Amazing. Um, so, okay, What is it? you mentioned Azure uh, Spring Apps Enterprise. Can we talk about that a little bit? What's the distinction there? Why would I a happy user of a Spring, Azure, a Spring Azure Spring apps? Why would I then make that jump? And what do I gain? And what do I lose? You know, is it? It must cost a little bit more money, I imagine. Uh, so enterprise is
1: the new tier, and uh, it is generally available, used by many enterprise companies today. Developers, right? Uh, the key thing is about productivity. Uh, it delivers even more productivity and it also gives you access to spring experts so that it, it makes your projects even more successful. Um, you can deploy confidently, right? So that's the the, the theme behind, uh, which is nothing but shift shift faster. Shift right. faster with enterprises, right? Now we have several several features in it. Um, we have the commercial build packs, um, we have the config servers equivalent that, that can be used by polyglot applications. right? Um, we have the managed Spring Cloud gateway. We have the API portal. Um, wow. we have, we, and it's, it's, you have to think of the enterprise tier as a, as a vehicle that we're going to pack a lot more productive features. Right? We are currently cool. working on application accelerator, application live view, and there's a lot of things uh, that we are working on that we are going to slowly uh, um, uh, release to release to customers. Now, w- what they get like uh, it 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 takes them to the next level of productivity. I know we were talking about deploy your deploy your charts and your data. Yeah. Now we are now talking about like when you go to production, right? Um, the hardening practices, out of the box configurable single sign on. Um, able to browse your API and manage those APIs, out of the box throttling, caching, um, all these features are being packed at the enterprise level. So mainly you have to think about, think about like how can I go faster to production. So we have all the the build packs. So mm-hmm. if you want to deploy Spring or Java or or uh, darknet Node, Python, um, uh, Angular, particularly Angular. Right? Many of the Spring Boot apps comes with Angular apps on the side. Yeah. So you can just run them and you don't have to worry about deploying uh, anywhere else. right? So you don't have to manage Spring Cloud gateway. You don't have to manage, you don't have to write any code for authentication authorization for your end users. Right? You simply configure it And all you have to say is I'm turning on SSO and please relay my token to the next service. Wow. I'm like, oh, it's. and if you are yeah. doing rate limiting, all you have to, again, you don't have to deploy anything to configure. You just issue a CLI command or you use Terraform or you use ARM template to configure it. Okay. After that, uh, all calls bound into the Spring Cloud gateway will be authenticated. And if it's not authenticated, it will be redirected to the Azure Active Directory or any other directory of your choice, right? Because it's open-ended, configurable SSO. And then the token is um, secured and then token gets relayed to the downstream. And at the downstream point, let's say you have another Spring app running behind the gateway, you can then authorize, does this person have access to uh, something? So that level of easy, easy to do, is what we say, it's it's polyglot, uh, polyglot from the build point of view, polyglot from the uh, cloud patterns point of view, externalizing, registration, all all those pieces are in place so that you can go to production faster. Now, the other important thing is the support for Spring. So if you're you're using open source Spring, um, they constantly every six months, the new version is coming up and you have to keep up with it, right? Um, now, when you're using Azure Spring Apps Enterprise, you're automatically entitled to uh, commercial support from VMware, uh, which means you can move at your own pace. Uh, your support window is way longer, longer than the open source support, uh, support window. Right? So right. that gives you some flexibility so that you can keep going.
0: So that's awesome. Like the, the support window is very important because obviously, you know, Spring works pretty darn well. I can't think of anything that works as well as it does as often as it does. But nothing is perfect. There might be issues, or we might just have questions. So being able to get somebody from the uh, Spring and Azure teams on the line to be able to help you is worth its weight in gold. I would say um, that's part one. Part two, you I, you would mention all these great features in uh, in Azure Spring Apps, and we just talked about the this last week's announcement, the password. Less authentication Mm -hmm. you just talked about that a little bit can you uh, like am i so let's say i I want to talk to um a redis well i can't just have like redis without a password it needs to be locked down so how does it get the password if i'm not actually using a password anywhere
1: uh okay so for redis we are working on it uh, but i'll explain the the general mechanism around how that works, right? So I think everybody's familiar with identity for a person. Yeah. All of us have an identity. So similarly, every compute unit running in Azure has an identity.
0: Yeah.
1: And that identity can be authenticated and authorized, right? So yeah. that's the key concept first to start with. Right. So. Any app running anywhere on Azure will get that identity. So let's now focus on the Azure Spring apps as a service. So inside Azure Spring apps, there are apps, right? And each app will have a machine identity. So when the machine boots up, that identity is uh, already hydrated. So using that identity, now you can grant access to the backend services whether it's Redis Cache or SQL Database or MySQL, you can tell, hey, when this machine comes to, comes here, uh, it's authorized to write or read or do any, whatever you declare permissions, right? So now you have an application code. The application code is going to, uh, it's bootstrapped and it's going to connect to the database or Redis Cache. right? right. At this point, um, there is this magical values, right? Spring data source URL, spring right. data source, password, username, password, all right. Those have to be hydrated. Right. So all you have to do there is we have the spring cloud azure starter. Right. Just add it to your add it to your dependency. Oh. So what That's this guy does easy. is the url for you yeah. it dynamically generates the the url and wow. when it when it generates the url it puts into the driver that the driver shall delegate the authentication to microsoft Azure's managed identity plugin
0: <laughs>
1: All right? now this guy because this plugin the driver will then say hey plugin go um, uh, uh, authenticate yourself. So it will authenticate against the managed identity using the machine identity and then get the token from the target service and, and say, hey, I have the token now. So that token is actually sitting in memory. And, and it's a
0: funeral too, right? It goes away after a
1: while. It, it goes away, right? and, and it expires right? often. Yeah. It expires very often, and the driver will keep on uh, logging in okay. um, to make sure it is fresh. And, and that that is now um, hydrated as the password by the Spring Cloud Azure startup. Wow. Uh, and, and and now there's no password.
0: There's so a the, memory token that gets sent across the wire secure to secure. the other side.
1: The on other the, side.
0: My, my they, SQL or my data source, how do they know about these passwords? Or these um,
1: they know based on what is arriving, they know who's logging in, right? Uh, and then they will check against, uh, is this machine authorized to read? Is this machine authorized to run queries or, or write? Right, And then that permission is granted, and then that action happens on the, on the service side.
0: So both the service side and the client side, the, the app side, there's a, a bit of indirection between the call being made, there's first an authentication check when sending the message, and there's another authentication check as the message arrives into the side.
1: Right. So uh, that's where Active Directory plays a role, right? That's the other, other uh, becomes the authorization server, right? They, they, they check and tell you whether if you have the access or or not, right? So we yeah. have made it all of this simple um, so that you don't have to worry. Everything is taken care of by these plugins, right? Yeah. And we also went a little further, right? Because uh, we have this concept of service connector. You just say, I want this app to be connected to the database and it will set up everything for you. Wow. And that's it. Now, the the reason why this is secure than any other method we have used before is because when you're using password, um, anybody can steal the password. Sure. And, And once steal, your data can be stolen. Now, you can place the password in a vault. The moment you place in a vault, you must make sure the vault authentication, all of them are set up. But most importantly, like uh, most of the enterprise uh, enterprises, they have uh, secret rotation policies. Yeah. Every three months you have to rotate, every two months to rotate. So when you do the rotation, often uh, developers say, sometimes they're not setting up correctly the rotation and there are application Connection outages to the backend services. It locked out of their own services. Yeah, exactly. So to avoid all of this, right? Uh, you don't need to. I mean, if you're able to get rid of this rotation procedures and rotation policies, a huge amount of um, operator toil is just taken out of the right out of the, out of the plate for you. Right. So that is the, the value behind the passwordless uh, connections.
0: That sounds so cool. That is amazing. That's the best of both worlds because that's a lot of code to get that working. To get, I mean, obviously the worst scenario is you have one password and it stays the same password forever. Better is you rotate your passwords. Better still is just not to have passwords at all. Just just original, just original. You know, make the connection, establish the token, do create a temporary password that lasts for the life of the request or, Mm -hmm. you know, a couple requests and then throw it away, and have both sides be on the same page about. Mm -hmm that. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. Um, yeah. So it sounds like we can do all the cool stuff. Uh, are we going to be able to hear more about this? Like, uh, obviously, uh, I think I'll probably see you in Spring 1, of course, right? Come on.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. I'll be there.
0: That's this December, uh, 2022, 6 to 8 December. Come one, come all. They can learn about Azure, Azure Spring Apps and Azure Spring Apps Enterprise, and, uh, and of course, meet uh, their friends on the Microsoft and Spring team. Um, and uh, and they spring, the Spring the team that Microsoft that work on Spring the Microsoft Spring Spring team no the Microsoft whatever there's a lot of teams on both the Spring side and the Microsoft side and there's a lot of intersection there's a lot of people on the Spring mm-hmm. time Spring side that work on Microsoft stuff and there's a lot of people on Microsoft that work on Spring stuff so <laughs> we'd love to meet you all um, what about you are you on the internet do you want to be found if people have questions comments feedback whatever and if so where do they go
1: um, yeah, I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. Right. My Twitter address is, um, Twitter tag is uh, RCA servicing, one word. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, on LinkedIn, you can find me as RCA servicing. Um, pretty active. Um, yeah. I post lots of uh, colorful pictures <laughs> to show what's coming out of Azure or Java yeah. developers. It's always fun to connect with many of the developers across the globe. Um, So thanks for all the connections all over the world.
0: Awesome. Okay. I hope people uh, follow at Asir Selvasim on the Twitters and find you on LinkedIn. And uh, my friend, as always, has been just the best talking to you. Uh, Appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Josh. It's always, always fun to chat with you and chat with all the developers.
0: I sampled music from Steve Combs' Them from Morning in Springtime and Steve Combs' Small Victory, both of which are licensed under a Creative Commons license. I'm trying to hire production assistants to make the Production of this podcast easier. I want to make sure that we can add things like show notes and transcripts and, and just generally do more. If you would like to advertise in the show, then please reach out to me. Uh, and if you can't uh, or don't want to advertise but would like to otherwise support the show, then please consider supporting me at patreon.com, P A T R E O N.com forward slash Josh Long for as low as $4 a month. Thanks again. No harm came to any seasons in the making of this
1: podcast.